Chapter Twenty of Young People's Treasury, Volume Six: Famous Travels and Adventures by Hamilton Wright Maybe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Life and Scenery in Venezuela by Alexander von Humboldt. We returned to the valley of Aragua and stopped at the farm of Barbula. We had heard of a tree called the cow tree, the sap of which is a nourishing milk and here we found one when incisions are made in the trunk of this tree it yields abundance of a glutinous milk tolerably thick devoid of all acridity and of an agreeable and balmy smell it was offered to us in the shell of a calabash we drank considerable quantities of it in the evening before we went to bed and very early in the morning without feeling the least injurious effect the glutinous character of this milk alone renders it a little disagreeable the negroes and the free people who work in the plantation drink it dipping it into their bread of maize or cassava the overseer of the farm told us that the negroes grow sensibly fatter during the season when the palo de vaca furnishes them with most milk the juice exposed to the air presents at its surface membranes of a strongly animalized substance yellowish stringy and resembling cheese amidst the great number of curious phenomena which i have observed in the course of my travels i confess there are few that have made so powerful an impression on me as the aspect of the cow tree whatever relates to milk or to corn inspires an interest which is not merely that of the physical knowledge of things but is connected with another order of ideas and sentiments we can scarcely conceive how the human race could exist without farinaceous substances and without that nourishing juice which the breast of the mother contains and which is appropriated to the long feebleness of the infant the amylaceous matter of corn the object of religious veneration among so many nations ancient and modern is diffused in the seeds and deposited in the roots of vegetables milk which serves as an aliment appears to us exclusively the produce of animal organization such are the impressions we have received in our earliest infancy such is also the source of that astonishment created by the aspect of the tree just described it is not here the solemn shades of forests the majestic course of rivers the mountains wrapped in eternal snow that excite our emotion a few drops of vegetable juice recall to our minds all the powerfulness and the fecundity of nature on the barren flank of a rock grows a tree with coriaceous and dry leaves its large woody roots can scarcely penetrate into the stone for several months of the year not a single shower moistens its foliage its branches appear dead and dried but when the trunk is pierced there flows from it a sweet and nourishing milk it is at the rising of the sun that this vegetable fountain is most abundant the negroes and natives are then seen hastening from all quarters furnished with large bowls to receive the milk which grows yellow and thickens at its surface some empty their bowls under the tree itself others carry the juice home to their children the sun was almost at its zenith the earth wherever it appeared sterile and destitute of vegetation was at the temperature of one hundred twenty degrees not a breath of air was felt at the height at which we were on our mules yet in the midst of this apparent calm 
whirls of dust incessantly arose driven on by those small currents of air which glide only over the surface of the ground and are occasioned by the difference of temperature between the naked sand and the spots covered with grass all around us the plains seemed to ascend to the sky and the vast and profound solitude appeared like an ocean covered with seaweed on the horizon the earth was confounded with the sky through the dry mist and strata of vapour the trunks of palm trees were seen from afar stripped of their foliage and their verdant summits and looking like the masts of a ship descried upon the horizon there is something awful as well as sad and gloomy in the uniform aspect of these steps everything seems motionless scarcely does a small cloud passing across the zenith and denoting the approach of the rainy season cast its shadow on the earth i know not whether the first aspect of the lanos excites less astonishment than that of the chain of the andes when beneath the vertical rays of the bright and cloudless sun of the tropics the parched sward crumbles into dust then the indurated soil cracks and bursts as if rent asunder by some mighty earthquake and if at such a time two opposite currents of air by conflict moving in rapid gyrations come in contact with the earth a singular spectacle presents itself like funnel-shaped clouds their apexes touching the earth the sand rises in vapory form through the rarefied air in the electrically charged centre of the whirling current sweeping on like the rushing water-spout which strikes such terror from the heart of the mariner a dim and sallow light gleams from the lowering sky over the dreary plain the horizon suddenly contracts and the heart of the traveller sinks with dismay as the wide steppe seems to close upon him on all sides the hot and dusty earth forms a cloudy veil which shrouds the heavens from view and increases the stifling oppression of the atmosphere while the east wind when it blows over the long heated soil instead of cooling adds to the burning glow gradually too the pools of water which had been protected from evaporation by the now seared foliage of the fan palm disappear as in the icy north animals became torpid from cold so here the crocodile and the boa constrictor lie wrapped in unbroken sleep deeply buried in the dried soil everywhere the drought announces death yet everywhere the thirsty wanderer is deluded by the phantom of a moving undulating watery surface created by the deceptive play of the mirage a narrow stratum separates the ground from the distant palm trees which seem to hover aloft owing to the contact of currents of air having different degrees of heat and therefore of density shrouded in dark clouds of dust and tortured by hunger and burning thirst oxen and horses scour the plain the one bellowing dismally the other with outstretched necks snuffing the wind in the endeavour to detect by the moisture of the air the vicinity of some pool of water not yet wholly evaporated the mule more cautious and cunning adopts another method of allaying his thirst there is a globular and articulated plant the mellow cactus which encloses under its prickly integument an aqueous pulp after carefully striking away the prickles with his forefeet the mule cautiously ventures to apply his lips to imbibe the cooling thistle juice 
but the draught from this living vegetable spring is not always unattended by danger and these animals are often observed to have been lamed by the puncture of the cactus thorn even if the burning heat of day be succeeded by the cool freshness of the night here always of equal length the wearied ox and horse enjoy no repose huge bats now attack the animals during sleep and vampire-like suck their blood or fastening on their backs raise festering wounds in which mosquitoes hippoboscus and a host of other stinging insects burrow and nestle when after a long drought the genial season of rain arrives the scene suddenly changes the deep azure of the hitherto cloudless sky assumes a lighter hue scarcely can the dark space in the constellation of the southern cross be distinguished at night the mild phosphorescence of the magellanic clouds fades away like some distant mountain a single cloud is seen rising perpendicularly on the southern horizon misty vapors collect and gradually overspread the heavens while distant thunder proclaims the approach of the vivifying rain scarcely is the surface of the earth moistened before the teeming steppe becomes covered with a variety of grasses excited by the power of light the herbaceous mimosa unfolds its dormant drooping leaves hailing as it were the rising sun in chorus with the matin song of the birds and the opening flowers of aquatic plants horses and oxen buoyant with life and enjoyment roam over and crop the plains the luxuriant grass hides the beautifully spotted jaguar who lurking in safe concealment and carefully measuring the extent of his leap darts like the asiatic tiger with a cat-like bound upon his passing prey at times according to the accounts of the natives the human clay on the banks of the morasses is seen to rise slowly in broad flakes accompanied with a violent noise as on the eruption of a small mud volcano the upheaved earth is hurled high into the air those who are familiar with the phenomenon fly from it for a colossal water snake or a mailed and scaly crocodile awakened from its trance by the first fall of rain is about to burst from its tomb when the rivers bounding the plain to the south as the araka the apur and the payara gradually overflow their banks nature compels those creatures to live as amphibious animals which during the first half of the year were perishing with thirst on the waterless and dusty plain a part of the steppe now presents the appearance of a vast inland sea the mares retreat with their foals to the higher banks which project like islands above the spreading waters day by day the dry surface diminishes in extent the cattle crowded together and deprived of pasturage swim for hours about the inundated plain seeking a scanty nourishment from the flowing panicles of the grasses which rise above the lurid and bubbling waters many foals are drowned many are seized by crocodiles crushed by their serrated tails and devoured horses and oxen may not unfrequently be seen which have escaped from the fury of this bloodthirsty and gigantic lizard bearing on their legs the marks of its pointed teeth below the mission of santa barbara de aracuna we pass the night as usual in the open air on a sandy flat on the bank of the apur skirted by the impenetrable forest we had some difficulty in finding dry wood 
to kindle the fires with which it is here customary to surround the bivouac as a safeguard against the attacks of the jaguar the air was bland and soft and the moon shone brightly several crocodiles approached the bank and i have observed that fire attracts these creatures as it does our crabs and many other aquatic animals the oars of our boats were fixed upright in the ground to support our hammocks deep stillness prevailed only broken at intervals by the blowing of the fresh-water dolphins which are peculiar to the river network of the orinoco after eleven o'clock such a noise began in the contiguous forest that for the remainder of the night all sleep was impossible the wild cries of animals rang through the woods among the many voices which resounded together the indians could only recognize those which after short pauses were heard singly there was the monotonous plaintive cry of the howling monkeys the whining flute-like notes of the small sapajus the grunting murmur of the striped nocturnal ape the fitful roar of the great tiger the cougar or maneless american lion the peccary the sloth and a host of parrots paraquas and other pheasant-like birds whenever the tigers approached the edge of the forest our dog who before had barked incessantly came howling to seek protection under the hammocks sometimes the cry of the tiger resounded from the branches of a tree and was always then accompanied by the plaintive piping tones of the apes who were endeavoring to escape from the unwanted pursuit if one asks the indians why such a continuous noise is heard on certain nights they answer with a smile that the animals are rejoicing in the beautiful moonlight and celebrating the return of the full moon to me the scene appeared rather to be owing to an accidental long-continued and gradually increasing conflict among the animals thus for instance the jaguar will pursue the peccaries and the tapers which densely crowded together burst through the barrier of tree-like shrubs which opposes their flight terrified at the confusion the monkeys on the tops of the trees join their cries with those of the larger animals this arouses the tribes of birds who build their nests in communities and suddenly the whole animal world is in a state of commotion further experience taught us that it was by no means always the festival of moonlight that disturbed the stillness of the forest for we observed that the voices were loudest during violent storms of rain or when the thunder echoed and the lightning flashed through the depths of the wood the good-natured franciscan monk who accompanied us through the cataracts of apures and maypures to san carlos on the rio negro and to the brazilian frontier used to say when apprehensive of a storm at night may heaven grant a quiet night both to us and to the wild beasts of the forest the new canoe intended for us was like all indian boats a trunk of a tree hollowed out partly by the hatchet and partly by fire it was forty feet long and three broad three persons could not sit in it side by side these canoes are so crank and they require from their instability a cargo so equally distributed that when you want to rise for an instant you must warn the rowers to lean to the opposite side without this precaution the water would necessarily enter the side pressed down it is difficult to form an idea of the inconveniences that are suffered in such wretched vessels to gain something in breadth 
a sort of lattice-work had been constructed on the stern with branches of trees that extended on each side beyond the gunwale unfortunately the toldo or roof of leaves that covered this lattice-work was so low that we were obliged to lie down without seeing anything or if seated to sit nearly double the necessity of carrying the canoe across the rapids and even from one river to another and the fear of giving too much hold to the wind by making the toldo higher render this construction necessary for vessels that go up toward the rio negro the toldo was intended to cover four persons lying on the deck or lattice-work of brushwood but our legs reached far beyond it and when it rained half our bodies were wet our couches consisted of ox-hides or tiger-skins spread upon branches of trees which were painfully felt through so thin a covering the fore part of the boat was filled with indian rowers furnished with paddles three feet long in the form of spoons they were all naked seated two by two and they kept time in rowing with a surprising uniformity singing songs of a sad and monotonous character the small cages containing our birds and our monkeys the number of which augmented as we advanced were hung some to the toldo and others to the bow of the boat this was our travelling menagerie every night when we established our watch our collection of animals and our instruments occupied the centre around these were placed first our hammocks then the hammocks of the indians and on the outside were the fires which are thought indispensable against the attacks of the jaguar about sunrise the monkeys in our cages answered the cries of the monkeys of the forest in a canoe not three feet wide and so encumbered there remained no other place for the dried plants trunks sextant a dipping needle and the meteorological instruments than the space below the lattice-work of branches on which we were compelled to remain stretched the greater part of the day if we wished to take the least object out of a trunk or to use an instrument it was necessary to row ashore and land to these inconveniences were joined the torment of the mosquitoes which swarmed under the toldo and the heat radiated from the leaves of the palm trees the upper surface of which was continually exposed to the solar rays we attempted every instant but always without success to amend our situation while one of us hid himself under a sheet to ward off the insects the other insisted on having green wood lighted beneath the toldo in the hope of driving away the mosquitoes by the smoke the painful sensations of the eyes and the increase of heat already stifling rendered both these contrivances alike impracticable with some gaiety of temper with feelings of mutual goodwill and with a vivid taste for the majestic grandeur of these vast valleys of rivers travellers easily support evils that become habitual the lower strata of air from the surface of the ground to the height of fifteen or twenty feet are absolutely filled with venomous insects if in an obscure spot for instance in the grottoes of the cataracts formed by super incumbent blocks of granite you direct your eyes towards the opening enlightened by the sun you see clouds of mosquitoes more or less thick i doubt whether there be a country upon earth where man is exposed to more cruel torments in the rainy season having passed the fifth degree of latitude you are somewhat less stung but on the upper orinoco 
the stings are more painful because the heat and the absolute want of wind render the air more burning and more irritating in its contact with the skin how comfortable people must be in the moon said a salive indian to father gumilla she looks so beautiful and so clear that she must be free from mosquitoes these words which denote the infancy of a people are very remarkable the satellite of the earth appears to all savage nations the abode of the blessed the country of abundance the eskimo who counts among his riches a plank or the trunk of a tree thrown by the currents on a coast destitute of vegetation sees in the moon plains covered with forests the indian of the forest of orinoco there beholds open savannas where the inhabitants are never stung by mosquitoes it would be difficult for me to express the satisfaction we felt on landing at agostoro the capital of spanish guiana the inconveniences endured at sea in small vessels are trivial in comparison with those that are suffered under a burning sky surrounded by swarms of mosquitoes and lying stretched in a canoe without the possibility of taking the least bodily exercise in seventy-five days we had performed a passage of five hundred leagues twenty to a degree on the five great rivers apur orinoco atabapo rio negro and cassiquare and in this vast extent we had found but a very small number of inhabited places coming from an almost desert country we were struck with the bustle of the town though it contained only six thousand inhabitants we admired the conveniences which industry and commerce furnished to civilized man humble dwellings appeared to us magnificent and every person with whom we conversed seemed to be endowed with superior intelligence long privations give a value to the smallest enjoyments and i cannot express the pleasure we felt when we saw for the first time wheaten bread on the governor's table End of chapter twenty This LibriVox recording is in the public domain